Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Play ball! And the reach you pitch. Swung and a drill to right field. Going back center. On the track. At the wall. Yeah, yeah. What game Mets fans, Yankees fans, what is going on? And welcome to a brand new episode of the Subway Series podcast from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Alex Marinoni, joined by the one and only Tomas Reyes. What's going on, Alex? How are you feeling today, man? Hey, not too bad. I'm very excited for this show. Our uh, special guest. And, of course, we got some news that maybe I should pop in because it is kind of breaking in. It affects our world. You should. our boy Carlos Carrasco looks like torn hamstring. I mean, they didn't give a timetable, but tor- tear anything, especially at his age. I'm guessing that's the wrap for the season. Yeah, hopefully it isn't. To be honest, I had high hopes for the guy. He, uh, you know, he was coming into spring training in really good shape, um, clean bill of health, and then you know for this to happen so soon, so abruptly, it's uh, it's unfortunate. And it's you know now, now you guys are down an arm. This is where Taiwan Walker is expected to step up and take that next step and, and, and bolster that rotation for you guys for sure. Yeah, doesn't have a choice at this point. Good thing Sandy picked up that depth in the uh, in the off season, so we'll see how it goes. But before we get to our special guest, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. The tournament is coming, and so is the one hundred thousand dollar bracket madness contest. As Bet Online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. It's time to head to the Iron Horse Hotline and welcome in our very special guest. He is the founder and CEO of Royal Ventures and the executive producer of the new ESPN docuseries, Goats. He is Joe DeMuro. So, Joe, it's a pleasure to have you here. Let's just jump right in. Where'd you get the idea and the inspiration for GOATS? Well, it actually came from my partner, Kevin Kaufman, who is the director of the series. He was having dinner with Walter Yost, who is the uh, the acclaimed sports photographer who actually had the relationship with all of these GOATS. And they were discussing Walter's career, which started you know nearly 50 years ago and capturing some of the most amazing athletes of our time and some of these iconic photos. And and Kevin was basically saying, look, have you ever told your story? And Walter, who's actually approaching, I think, 75, 76 at that time in terms of age, was like, no, I really haven't. He's like, well, I think it's time. I think it's time that we kind of told the story of your relationship with these goats and these incredible photographs and the backstory behind each one. So that, that really was the genesis for creating and identifying those that he had some of the most intimate relationships with that started the process of the interviews and the collation of all the photos and how we would frame it out into this beautiful storyline about his history and his career. Excellent. Yeah, it was uh it was awesome seeing them there. Yeah, that was Thank absolutely you. Yeah. yeah, it was um just when we were watching it we we're like this is such an out of the box like idea cuz you can't, you know, to know somebody that knows all these goats, really, like, he may be one of nobody, like, nobody else. I mean, uh, you know, between that or, I, I agree. Like, I, yeah. I totally agree, guys. I mean, we, we were, you know, we were thinking about the story behind it. We're like, okay, so how many guys actually started with 
uh, you know, his first assignment, if you think about it, and you guys are New York guys and you probably know the Yankees and the Yankees' history, his first assignment was covering Roger Maris' 61st home run, right? I mean, Roger Maris was ready to break Babe Ruth's record, and it was, uh, you know, I don't know when it was, the 1960s. It was his first assignment, and he was 17 years old. And that's how he began his career for Sports Illustrated. He's a crazy, you think about starting your career there, and then he's covered every Super Bowl since. And, you know, some of the most iconic, you know, shots and photographs from Joe Montana and the catch with White Clark in the Super Bowl and, you know, the, the Muhammad Ali shots. And if you watch the documentary, uh, you know, his relationship with Michael Jordan was something that was on a different level. You know, like he, he managed to become part of Michael's family, which really was, you know, and you guys know the history of some of these, these incredible athletes. They, they very rarely let you inside of that sort of persona. Um, I agree with you. I don't think there's going to be another photographer or even writers that have the kind of access that Walter has had over the course of his 50 years. Yeah, that level of experience is unprecedented after watching him just get a chance to elaborate on the monumental pictures that he actually has taken. It, it was something that brought me back a bit just because we've been so accustomed to seeing some of these images and just to end up seeing the man behind the lens there. It was it was unreal to be able to like experience that there with him. And you really got a sense of that in that docuseries how important and instrumental he even was in some of these guys' careers as far as just capturing yeah. those moments. Right. I totally agree with that, and that's such a great perspective, Pete, because as we were going through the setup and we were thinking about, like, okay, so how do we categorize this? You know, it wasn't just about here's a photo and here's how we did it and here's how I got commissioned. There was always a narrative and a story behind each of the photos. So I think the most, you know, some of them are just absolutely serendipitous. He's in the right place at the right time. Some of them were actually planned, you know, when he was talking about that Muhammad Ali shot in front of his fence on the bike. Some of them were, you know, the Michael Jordan, you know, the infamous dunk from the free throw line and, uh, you know, the, the, the dunk contest. You know, we've all seen that photograph at least a thousand times. But there's a whole story behind it which talks about the whole presence of how human character comes together, right? Like these guys, we always put everybody on a pedestal. Joe Montana and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and Tiger Woods, but they're, they're human beings, right? And they have emotions and they have flaws and they have imperfections. And one thing that Walter did a really good job of, and because spending time with Walter as we were going through the interviews, he got everybody comfortable and, and they felt comfortable around Walter that he was going to show them in their best physical sort of athletic light. Um, and I think Chris Everett talks about that in the documentary. Like he has this sort of innate ability to catch an athlete at their peak, you know, and some of those beautiful shots of Michael Jordan, the shots of Kobe, the shots of Greg Luganis and some of the Olympians, just really majestic stuff. And, and I, it's almost like an art form to another level. Yeah, you really just touched a point that I wanted to bring up perfectly. I was going to like – bring up the fact that he really made these top-of-the-line athletes, these people that are looked like, in, in, in your words, the, on a pedestal. And he really brought them down to, like, human level and really made them feel comfortable. I mean, to get Michael Jordan and all these real competitors who are thinking about their sport and their career at the top of their game and to have a trust and a feeling for just a regular guy, a guy like Walter Yost, I mean, just to 
trust their career in his hands at the time that he wanted to to do what he wanted to do to make them look good was just that's what, that's what I took away so much from that whole series. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty special. I mean, he, um, you know, and, and I, I don't want to jump right into sort of like what's next, but there is a what's next. You know, we, you know, Kevin, myself, and Walter had a conversation after we premiered on ESPN, and we had our run on ABC, and now it's going to be running, you know, on ESPN two, and and we're thinking, you know, he's got seven thousand photographs. Like we barely scratched the surface, right? And so we've been talking about like what's goats two, what does it start, and where does it end. You know, if we take it up until the current sort of, um, when you think about Kobe Bryant, you know, and obviously the, the in memoriam and how brilliant an athlete, a person, uh, an individual that, that Kobe was, we wanted to take it, okay, from like the 2015, 2018, what's next? How do we start identifying and do a little bit of the mixture of yesterday's goats, today's goats, and how do we find that? You know, I'll go back to my, my Yankee days, but the Reggie Jackson with the Mike Trout, and how do we find, you know, a Jackie Joyner Kersey with uh, an Usain Bolt, and how do we find a Ronaldo with a Megan Rapino, right? So if we looked at different segments and different um, athletes in different sports, you know, that each one of them have their own stories, and Walter's covered all of them. You know, one of the things we had as a game was trying to figure out, hey, Walter, have you ever shot so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah, you know, he is. Oh, yeah, I did. It was back in 1972. And, like, <laughs> you know, it was, like, it was like a trivia contest. I mean, and he's such a brilliant storyteller. He's really good in front of the camera. Very engaging. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. He is engaging. He's like your older brother and, you know, your father that's telling the stories about Uncle John that you were hanging out yeah. with. Um, it felt it's like really, we were listening um, to folklore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy, but um, and you know, you guys have been around sports, and, and certainly from a New York perspective, and you think of like you know the Yankees and the Giants and the Knicks and and these incredible legends that New York City and just I know it's it's broader than that, but you know when you think about what they represent, I mean they really are icons, and to capture them at this moment and to have somebody who brought that to life, whether it was on Sports Illustrated or it was somewhere else. But somebody who was able to kind of build this relationship with them, it's really special. You know, it, it's its one of those things that some people have this innate ability to reach people. You know, whether you're an athlete or a musician or a politician, you know, we've seen it with some of those great storytellers. They have a way to kind of break it down to its sort of basis and its essence and its spirit and its energy. And I think Walter was really, really good at doing that. Absolutely. What I want to ask you now, though, is your role in and Royal Ventures' role in the product. Now, you said Kevin Kaufman, it was your friend, and reaching out to Walter himself. Now, where did um, Royal Ventures come into the production of goats? Sure, sure. Kevin and I have known each other for probably a good 20 years, you know, before I moved, uh, you know, out to L.A., but I was in the music industry for a long time. I was, uh, I had my own record label at Sony, so I was at Sony Music for probably 12 years. I was also at a film studio at 20th Century Fox. But Kevin and I have always talked about working together on projects. When I left Sony, um, I started my own branding and creative and design agencies. So I worked to Jay-Z for a short period of time at Rock Nation. Wow. I worked at One Live Nation. One of my Nation. favorite rappers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it was an easy play. You know, it was like they were like they were looking to build a creative cultural agency inside Rock Nation. I'm like, well, you know, he's a more than a legend and an icon, it was an easy decision for me to kind of create something and work for them. But what happened was about two years ago, you know, Kevin and I were talking about this project. He's like, Joe, I need some help. 
in terms of you know branding the creative, the design, the sensibility, the solicitation to the networks. Um, you know, we've got Walter. He's the storyteller. I'm going to film that. We're going to capture all the interviews. But now we need to start packaging it. So I came in as an executive producer um, with another woman by the name of Beth Freycorn. So we, both of us were the two executive producers with Kevin. And my role was really helping frame out the creative and business side of it. And creative meaning the look and feel, how are we going to approach the market, how would we go through social media, how do we engage community, um, how would we identify whether it's a CBS Sports or an ESPN or a Fox Sports or an HBO. We went through a, a pretty arduous solicitation process. All of this was going on during COVID. Right. So wow. as you can imagine, wow. Incredible. yeah, and it, and it was tough. I mean, we, we were like everybody who was in production and trying to get something on the air. I mean, we were we were in a tough bind. Like, um, you know, there was no live sports on network TV. I mean, you guys know that uh, everything yeah. kind of shut down. We, we needed to finish up a lot of post work. You know, we had to shoot some things remotely. Um, and it, it was tough to get meetings with people. Right? You know, nobody wanted to meet with you in person. So we're kind of like, okay, we've got the show. It's done. And then we had to start thinking about, and I hate to say this, but we were sort of in a position like, well, we need to get it on the air to build the brand. And how do we find the right brand to help us do that? And that started the process where Beth and I really did a lot of work around working with agencies um, that represent, you know, a variety of different brands from, you know, automotive to beverage to financial services to CPG. And, you know, we had several brands who all of them raised their hand and said, we love this, get it on a network, and we want to come in and support it. We want to sponsor the show. We want to buy inventory. Um, and, you you know, you guys know that there's a lot of those brands that are part of the NCAA. They're part of the NBA. They're part of the NFL. They have right. long, It's not just the Nikes and the Gatorades and the Under Armors, but there's a whole plethora of brands that love this type of storytelling. And so, you know, we were fortunate. We got Michelob as part of Anheuser-Busch, and they, they came in as the primary brand sponsor. Um, and so they were with us from uh, the onset, or I should say in the last three months until we got everything contracted and finalized. And, and that's how we negotiated and got the deal with ESPN for the three-month exclusive. And, you know, the rest now is setting up the franchise because we're starting to look at Goats 2 and Goats 3. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing piece of artwork that you guys were able to put together there. For the record, Michelob, great beer. Uh, <laughs> number two, um, uh, I, I was going, I was going to ask you, Mr. Demuro, given that you touched on the fact that you guys had to overcome the hurdle of COVID, did you at any point get a chance to be in the presence of some of these goats? Well, um, no, I was not. So um, when I consider, you know, the only goat that I had the presence of was Walter and Kevin, and I consider them my goats. <laughs> yes, and, yes, but, Mr. Yes, uh, yes, they are. Right, right, right. So, so no, I, I was, you know, Kevin did spend a lot of time, obviously. Um, the one-on-one -on -one interviews, a lot of them were set on location. Like some of the locations were set in Florida where Walter was situated, Joe Montana and Chris Everett. Kobe was done out here in L.A. I mean, there were several of them that were done. Derek was done in Florida as well because he obviously resides there. So there was an opportunity to do, like, book settings where we had production set. We knew that this day we're going to roll in. We're going to shoot Tiger. We're going to shoot Derek. We're going to shoot Joe Montana. We're going to shoot Chris Everett. We go to L.A., and now we're going to shoot Kobe, and then we're going to shoot um, – uh, I'm trying to think of who else we did out in L.A. Uh, well, Kelly Slater was actually done remotely from Hawaii. But we, we kind of wow. – Kevin set it up over the course of the two years of thinking about where the best locations were, 
predicated on who those goats were going to tell their stories, right? And so, you know, that, that kind of led into the fact that as he was doing this, this is all pre this is all pre COVID, right? So the actual bulk of the interviews that were done were done on location, uh, right. in a set room, you know, or a set location, you know, uh, back you know, backdrop, back screen, and that's how they were shot and, and yes. merchandised. Uh, but all the post work was something we did last year, which was we had to do all the cleanup and the licensing, the photography and the video, uh, the music. Um, and that was something we did during COVID. And the solicitations for the networks, uh, the distributors and the brands was all done over the course of the last 12 months. Very nice. Now, I want to know, because now maybe this decision was made after COVID. I mean, the big thing in the sports world during COVID, obviously, other than the sports going down, was the series uh, The Last Dance on ESPN. And I'm wondering, Correct. did The Last Dance have any influence into you guys deciding ESPN was the right network to really showcase what you guys wanted to show, or was this a decision made before then? Yeah, it's a good point. It, it, it certainly had an impact. Um, and I think the success of The Last Dance, I think it's a, not that it would take a lot of people by surprise, but I think you know the points we've been talking about, there was no live sports on television, right? There was no... The NBA can't shut down. You know, Major League Baseball wasn't happening. I mean, things were just at this 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 crosshair of nothing really live happening. We were watching reruns of like the PGA Golf Championship on Channel Two. Um, and so when the Last Dance came along, I, I think people were one. I, I think they were resident. They were captive. I think Michael is always an incredible subject matter. And I think the story behind it, which people found so fascinating, and the way they produced it, I thought was brilliant. You know, they did this sort of like retrospective thing where they went back in years and they talked about the sort of aspect of what was going on during Michael's championship run and the sort of character development between him and Dennis Rodman and then Horace Grant. And then, you know, when you think about, you know, the general manager, Jerry Krause, all the stuff that was happening there, I think it created such great storytelling. And we knew that we had a similar type of product, you know, and I, I'm not going to put it on the same, it was a different type of program, right? Yeah. Our program was about the stories through the lens of this incredible photographer. Right. But we knew that, you know, ESPN has, because of the 30 for 30, because of the last dance, because yeah. of what they're known for, you know, you think about being a sports legacy, I mean, they're a brand unto themselves. We knew that they would be a great home. And, you know, and they felt the same way. They were just trying to find the right opportunity. You know, where should we program this? Where should it go? Um, there was a little bit of this, oh, we just did Last Dance. Should we do this? And we're like, no, this is a separate piece of work. It's completely different. This yeah. is celebrating a variety of different, you know, athletes through the lens of the relationship of this acclaimed photographer. So th th it's a long way of saying, yes, they had an influence. And, and yes, yes, they certainly were at the top <laughs> of the list. <laughs> yeah, funny that you mentioned the legendary Michael Jordan. Honestly, one of the greatest trash talkers in NBA history. Oh, boy. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. We've seen it. We got a chance to see it a bit in, in the last dance. For those fans that are listening, definitely tune in. I was going to ask you, Mr. Demuro, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your new project? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about this. This is a, um, you know, partner. His name is Ethan Later. He's the, the creator, and he's going to be the director of the pilot. And we have a series called Trash Talk. Um, it has yet to be taken out, so meaning that we haven't started soliciting the networks and the, and the platforms. However, uh, we are signing on talent, which I probably can't mention yet because we're uh -huh. still going through the contract deal. 
But, it is but all it, good. It is, it is, it, but, it, but it's going to be, you know, if you think about it, and I think that was accurate what you said, it's going to be the greatest trash talkers from the 80s and 90s, so a little OG. Excellent. It's going to feature guys, you would imagine, it's Gary Payton, it's mm-hmm. Xavier McDaniel, it's, yeah. it's Michael Jordan, it's Larry Bird, it's Dr. You know, Larry Bird and Dr. J, those, those wow. infamous fights and battles they had. It's, it, it, it's and I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but so we shot a trailer. We've created the brand book. We're working on the series signature look. Um, I'm going through some iconography now on the brand look, on the, the, the mark and the identity. Um, we're probably bringing another producer, and we're starting to take it out probably as early, I would say, as maybe late April. Um, we think, you know, it'll be a five-episode series, at least for the first season. So first episode will be on the NBA, the next one will be on the NFL, the next one will be on Major League Baseball, there will be one on soccer, and then there will also be one on boxing. So I'll throw out some names. You can guess where some of them will be, the Floyd Mayweathers, the Ronaldo and Messis, the, um, you know, we'll call it A-Rod and Jason Veritek, Yankees versus Red Sox, Richard Sherman in the NFL. This is getting spicy, man. This is getting spicy. I can't guys, wait. Guys, I'm telling you, guys, I, you know, I, I got to get to the trailer because you can watch the trailer. It's, it's, it's going to be hot. It's, uh, we're really excited about it. And, and we don't do it in the way where it's about bad-mouthing. It's not about, you know, it doesn't get personal. And I think you guys know this, right? I mean, you're sports fans. This is the mental game within the game. This, this is the real, you know, Michael Jordan, as great an athlete as he was, he was an incredible mental athlete, right? I mean, he yeah. was able to turn it on. Kobe Bryant, same way, an incredible trash talker. But he had this mental spirit about him that just he was focused and he was disciplined. And he knew that if he can upset your mental game, and Gary Payton talks about this in our trailer, like he goes, I knew I was good, but I knew I could be better. And I can be great if I was able to somehow work through the mental aptitude and the mental aspect of another, of my opponent. He goes, and that's kind of that was part of my game. That's what I did. And it's, right. it's just fascinating to hear these guys talk about it. So we're, we're really, really excited about that project. I can only imagine this is going to be some dope stuff. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. Now let's segue a little bit, knowing your background a little bit into New York sports. Being in California, did you do you miss out on any? On anything, or do you got, do you catch every single game of the Yankees and and whoever else that you follow in New York sports? Yeah, we we, we got the Yes Network, so I watch my Yankees. We loyal um, fans, my, my yay! Yankees, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Look, and I'm going to say this. I mean, I, I you know the NBA is interesting. I've been a diehard Knicks fan, and you know I'm I'm going to date myself, but I go back not to the Willis Reed days, but certainly the Patrick Ewing you know legacy, right? Um, yes. And, and those incredible New York Knicks teams where we had to run up against, you know, the Bulls, when we had to go up against the Pacers, we had to go up against the Pistons. And, you know, when and you guys are New Yorkers and you know that legacy of Patrick and Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley and John Starks, and, and we just had this spirit about us. And that was the team. And that, to me, was like, that was the sensibility around New York. I mean, the Yankees, you know, the Yankees are, are an amazing franchise. But I think the New York Knicks at that period of time of probably about an eight to ten year career, really the Patrick Ewing era, owned the city, and there was nothing like it. Um, we could never get the big ring because of Michael and because of Reggie Miller and because of you know we just it was just we were we were playing in a period 
when you were going up against some of the greatest players of all time and some of the greatest teams, and it was difficult. But we follow the Knicks religiously. Um, we're big LeBron fans, so I, I don't necessarily – I like the Lakers, but I, I like the Lakers because of LeBron. Um, yeah. You know, we, we still follow the Giants. The Yankees are on at every minute we can get on the Yes Network. Um, Excellent. But that's, Excellent. you know – I, I will never, you know, the big blue is going to be in us for a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I always want to ask every New York Yankee fan, who was your childhood favorite player growing up? As a Yankee? Yes. Wow, okay. So uh, as far as I can remember, I mean, yes. I, you know, and I would say because he's, he's not that much younger than me, but I, I do remember – you know, my dad, we grew up in the Bronx, and my dad loved Mickey Mantle. Um, I was too young to to see the Mick play. My dad would talk about Mickey Mantle at the dinner table in the Bronx in the apartment. Like, oh, my gosh, he hit two home runs today. you got to see him practice ball now. So I kind of lived through my dad's lens about that. You know, he was a Department of New York sanitation worker, and we would watch the games together and, you know, in front of the black and white TV. And, you know, I was too young to really remember the Mick, but I lived it mostly through my dad. But I'd say Reggie Jackson, as far as I can remember, in 1977 when he came to New York, I was amazed at this. Yeah, I mean, this mythic legend. And look, controversy, Ian Thurman never got along. He and Mm -hmm. Billy Martin never got along. But Mm -hmm. Reggie had this magnetic personality about it and not to mention he was one of the most gifted athletes I mean, he was an incredible incredible player but he rose to the occasion like no one other than Derek Jeter you know like they, those are the two Mr. Octobers right I think you, you hit the nail on the head Reggie created it and I think Derek carried it forward right yeah they had to give Derek Jeter the token Mr. November because that title right. could never be stripped from the legendary Mr. Jackson. No. Reggie, Reggie. <laughs> I agree. And, and you know, I will say Reggie is already on point and has uh, – we're working through his commitment for GOATS too, but he will be one of oh, the wow. featured athletes. Yeah, oh, for sure. Awesome. And he's so got then, some great stories, as you can imagine. Can't wait. And then I guess that's got to mean that your favorite moment for the Yankees had to be his three home runs. I mean, i got to imagine anyone uh, who, uh, who – Against the Dodgers, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, that's one of those seminal moments in in, in baseball, not just Yankee history, but, I, but you know, you remember all of those, right? I think you brought up, you know, Derek being Mr. November when he hit that home run at 12:01 to win the game, and I, I don't know which World Series it was, or maybe it was an ALCS. Aaron Boone hitting the home run to take the Yankees to the World Series, beating the Boston Red Sox, right? I mean, how many memories do we have? Derek Jeter jumping into the stands and breaking his nose. At, at, Unreal. Just, there's Unreal, right? I mean, there's just some of these things. You just can't make it up. Um, and that's one thing about New York sports, which I know you guys live and breathe. There is – and I've been in L.A. for 10 years. I live here. My heart's in New York. There is nothing. Maybe you get an argument from Chicago fans, maybe from Boston fans, and you know how much we hate Boston. Yeah. But there's, no, <laughs> there's nothing – right? There's nothing like New York sports fans. There's nothing like in the world. And uh, if you succeed in New York, like Jarrett Cole is going to succeed in New York, and he already has. Like, you know, at some point, you know, Saquon Barkley, if he's healthy, will be one of the greatest running backs maybe in the history of the NFL if he can get it back. But he's 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 set for stardom. And you're in New J.R. Barrett, you know, the way he's been playing as a young, you know, 
the Knicks are exciting this year, guys. Don't you feel sure that? Are. There's an energy about the yes. Knicks this year, right? Me being good. a Knicks fan, I can I, I love what uh, Coach Tibbs is doing. Not to like go off too much on the on the Knicks tangent, but I love what he's doing. He has those young guys playing very hard and honestly, uh, just playing above their potential at this point. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree with that. I mean, like they're starting to believe in themselves, right? And I think. And you guys know, I mean, part of the game, we'll go back to the mental part of it, even for the GOATs, once you believe in yourself, right, there's so many things you can do to kind of overcome some of these hurdles. You play together as a team. You have confidence. You get a veteran like Julius Randle, who's, you know, and I call him a veteran, but he's a veteran on that team. Yeah. But he's having, right. a you know, a superstar year. Um, and, and, look, I haven't felt this excited about the Knicks in a long time, right? I think we all feel that way. But, um you know, my youngest son is a diehard Knicks fan. He comes in every night. He's like, Dad, we just won by 20. Dad, we did this. We and he's just, you know, he, he, and he's, he, unfortunately, he's surrounded by a sea of Laker and Clippers fans here in wow. Hawaii. It's, <laughs> it's a tough you know. crowd over there. Listen, you know, you hit the nail on the head, though, with um, if you can succeed in New York, no matter what, you're, you, you know, you never buy a cup of coffee ever again over here. I mean, the perfect example is Jeremy Lin. And what was that, a month? And I, oh. I am I am going to say I it is refreshing to hear somebody who mentioned when they talk about the great Knicks days, they didn't right away revert to the Jeremy Lin days. Although took the city by storm and proves your point. Oh, yeah. I do. It is refreshing to recognize the great Patrick Ewing in those years. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Jeremy Lin was a phenomenon, right? I mean, you know, Lin sanity was was real. I mean, it was you walked out on the street, his, you know, he had skyscraper billboards. It was it was insane, right? Um, and can you imagine if LeBron had actually come to New York, right? Wow. I mean, you know, as he makes his decision from Cleveland to Miami and then Miami back to, you know, look, I, I think he's done the right thing. He's, 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 he's really calling LA his home. But can you imagine, you know, I mean, look at what the Brooklyn Nets are doing. I mean, look, you know, and, and as I don't, I don't despise the Nets. It's not like, you know, Lakers and Clippers fans don't get along. I don't despise the Nets. I love Barclays. I love taking my kids there. We used to love going when, you know, before COVID, um, and I like the franchise, but, you know, they're looking to become the Golden State Warriors of the East, right? I mean, yeah. so uh, it, it's, look, I think it's great for the city of New York. Um, I'd like to see, you know, our football teams now get elevated. You know, the Jets have to raise their game. The Giants, I think, gave us a little tease last year. But, you know, I don't consider 6-10 and 10 a winning season by any stretch of the imagination. But I think they're on the path. To, to getting better and being very competitive on the field. They're probably a couple of years away, but they're there, not that far away. And no, no, I was going to say, I, I, I love rapping with you guys on sports and New York sports. This is great. Yeah, this, this is amazing, man. If, uh, if you weren't such a busy man, we'd try and make this a weekly appearance. But, you know, uh, due to our budget, uh, we, we know we, you know, it's a little tough. Uh, with that said, I just at least want to uh, get your your take on um, just going back to the Yankees real quick. Just get your take on what the outlook on the season is, and do you believe it's our year this year? Well, you know, spring training is uh, is often you know it happens every spring, right? We all get excited. Uh, people, the athletes are relatively healthy until you know Sanchez steps on the field or Judge or Oh, fans. oh man, but, he's a hot right, subject on this right? uh, on these airwaves these days. Right, right, I'm telling you. But if we stay healthy, there's no doubt um, there are some surprises that we're starting to see, I, I think. You know, Jared Cole is going to be an ace, there's no doubt about it. Domingo Herman looks like he could be the number two 
in that rotation, you know, and I know he's got some head gains and some things he's got to get worked out psychologically, but the talent's there. Uh, I think Debbie Garcia is going to be a stud. I, I think he's probably going to get sent down, but he's ready to get called up immediately. Jordan Montgomery, you know, it, it's all it starts with the Yankees with the pitching staff, right? I mean, if they, if Corey Kluber and Jamison can come back from these injuries, Jordan Montgomery is starting to look like he did in, 19, in 20, I think it was 18 or 2019. Yeah. He, he's starting to look in that form of like almost like an Andy Pettit, and I know that's a big, you know, shoes to fill. Well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> right, you know, and, and so if that, bull, if that starting rotation holds up, the bullpen is going to be very good, and they have some young studs coming into the bullpen. Hopefully Chapman can hold it together. Britain comes back in June. The Yankees, if the Yankees do what they do, which is, you know, offense, if they can score six to eight runs a game, they're going to win 100-plus games. And they certainly have the opportunity to go head-to-head against the Dodgers, who pretty much are the stacked team in Major League Baseball, them and the Padres. I mean, um, but I'm excited about what we see. And, and, and look, I've been pulling for Gary Sanchez. I know a lot of people have wanted to see his head on a platter. Um, He's an amazing, immense talent who I, I think got too – look, the problem we've all seen with athletes, and I see this with artists when I've worked with musicians, you, you get successful too fast. And Gary came out of the gate when he was 22 and hit 20 home runs in less than 60 games, and all of a sudden he was like Mount Olympus, and they were expecting this guy to do this every year, full season, 50 home runs. Here's a, and it's just, you know, it's too much psychologically, I think. And – and it's tough to do. As much as we love Aaron Judge, this guy is a physical specimen. You know, things start to take its toll. You know, I mean, we all know baseball is not as, as strenuous a game as basketball or football, but you're still playing 162 ball games. That's a lot of that's a lot of baseball. Um, yeah, yeah. And a lot of wear and tear sure. on your body. I'm excited about what we see on the uh, from the Yankees. I, I I would be remiss to think that they, they still should be the front runner in the AL East. Um, I think the Blue Jays got a lot better, but you know I think the Yankees have improved themselves if they just stay healthy. I mean they should win 105 games, and they should certainly get to the World Series. I would think. I'm playing yeah. a Babe Ruth. I'm playing a Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, there it that's, is. We think we agree on that sentiment here that uh, that if the Yankees and I agree with you 100, you nailed it right on right on the head with uh, if they the starting pitching could just keep up. They don't have to be electric. They just need to keep up. And stay healthy, right. and they'll be fine because those bats are absolutely disgusting, and that bullpen has been one of the best in baseball for the last several years now. Uh, agreed. You, you're absolutely right on all of those counts. Even if they're – look, to a degree, we can say this, and I hate to you know look at individual plays. Aaron Hicks is not going to play the full year. He's going to get hurt because Aaron Hicks gets hurt, and it's, it's going to happen. We're hoping – that we can finally see a full, even if it's only 120 games for Aaron Judge, because you can only imagine if Judge and Stanton can play 100-plus games, what they could do in that lineup. It's frightening, right? I think you're right. It's sick to see what these guys can do. I think yeah. You're not even mentioning, like, a Clint Frazier who has the potential to be right. an all-star, right? Yes. Um, and DJ LeMay, who, who, who would have thunk this, right? He's but, a stud. But this he's guy, a he, he's a monster. I mean, he's, he's an absolute monster. And Luke Voigt's going to, you know, like if these guys stay healthy, do you want to face that lineup? I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're throwing 100-plus gas. You don't want to face this lineup. I mean, one through nine in that lineup is just deadly. Yes. 
Listen, uh, Joe, before we let you go, I, I do have to ask because on this side of the on this side of the show, I am representing my my guys in Queens. The so resident Mets fan. <laughs> I do have to I do have okay. to ask: Are you okay. at all concerned at all with the new ownership and the fact that? And I have to do this to Tomas right now. My Mets are going to take over this city. Is there any concern from you over out in California about this? Be honest, Joe. Um, be honest. <laughs> okay, Tomas, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be honest on this. I, I, I have to say this, right? Um, you know, when you have new ownership and there's an injection not just of, of a different culture but money, let's face it, Stephen Cohen is a multi-billionaire and he's – He's already shown he's he's not nervous about spending the money, right? Um, I, you know, and as a kid growing up against you know the New York Mets and Yankees, my dad used to you know we couldn't get into Yankee Stadium, but I would go to a lot of those Carlton Seaver opening games, you know, and I had, oh, wow. had uber respect for like Tom Seaver and Steve Carlton. Um, and I think the Mets have a you know a, a very warm heart, not just if you're from Queens, but there's a there's a People love to see the Mets do well, I think. Um, am I concerned about, you know, taking a little bit of the spotlight? You know, page, the back cover of the New York Post, page six. I don't know. To be honest with you, I think their pitching staff can also be absolutely just sick, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Jacob DeGrom is unbelievable. they got some great starters. There's some holes in that lineup, though, um, which, you know, they're going to have to get fixed. I think Lindor is an amazing player, a great pickup. I, I was – that hurt me because I was hoping at some point, if we didn't get LeMayu, that, you know, Glaber goes to second and the Yankees sign Lindor. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh. I mean, that that would have been sick as well. But, look, I hope the Mets do well. I I, I think the Mets are in – you know, that that's a tough division. Um, you know, the Nats are not what they were when they won the series. I think the the Phillies were a better team. You know, they got another year of Joe Girardi under the belt. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it, it right. I mean, I, I love Joe G. It, it's a, it's going to be a tough. It's a tough division, and the Dodgers are just absolutely stacked. I mean, um, you know, that starting rotation is absolutely sick. It's filthy. Um, it yeah. shouldn't be allowed. But I mean, they have built the Golden State Warriors, right? You think about it. They've got a a team that's just crazy good. Yeah. Um, Look, it's going to be tough. I mean, you know, you know, New York is all about winners, and and you guys know it. If if you win in New York, the one thing I can say that you know Stephen Cohen will find out quickly if they don't get out to a good start. You know, the microscope is going to be under him because of the fact he's a multi-billionaire. He bought the team, he brought in some fresh blood, and, and spent a lot of money on play. And if they don't perform, I think it's going to they're going to start looking at the management. Not that they're going to you can't fire the management, but he's going to take some heat. Right, I mean, we've seen it with the Steinbrenners. You've seen it with the Maras, with the Giants. Uh, you certainly see it with Jimmy Dolan, who should take heat every day because he hasn't done anything to improve that team other than the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, I hate to be I hate to be so bold, but that's the New York in me, right? It's I, it's I, all good. This is this is exactly what I wanted to hear, Alex. Maybe <laughs> not so much, given that you know they are still the little brother in New York, but. This this all sounds like music to my ears. Something something Jay Z would have poetically put on a nice instrument. Right. And well, let me ask you guys: What do you think about LeBron investing in the Boston Red Sox? What's what's your take on that? My take was this guy's business, business, businessman. Because yes. being the Yankee fan, and I, where I was, I was shocked in it just because of uh, some of the issues he had with Celtics fans and that that whole city, yeah. but. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but he's, I mean, he's a guy who, who's 
clearly getting some great advice, has the money, and is investing it in, you know, between, was it Liverpool, right? He has, or Manchester, it's one of those two. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and mm-hmm. he's now Boston and everything, and, you know, his media company. I mean, he's, he's a business first guy. Dude's killing it. Yeah. He's killing it. Uh, LeBron James, he's just, a, you know, an individual that we've had the pleasure to see, you know, come up through the ranks. Um, you know, he, he obviously got on Sports Illustrated or on ESPN, the magazine, like around 16 or 17. So to yeah. be able to get a chance to see that maturation from another GOAT, not to not to go back to the uh, documentary, but, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, gives uh, gives fans – you know, a, a thrill watching him and to see him also develop as, as just a man and, and as a as an extreme athlete, a, a super talent. It, it's just been a pleasure to see that natural growth and, uh, you know, from him uh, looking here on yeah. the outside. I could agree with, with both of you, I, you know, more than what you stated. I, I uh, like I said, we're, we're, you know, it's tough. I mean, you grow up in New York, you're a New York fan. I think we're, we're all sort of regionally centric, right? I mean, Correct. you grew up in Boston, you like the Red Sox, you like the Patriots, et cetera. But when we got to L.A., and, you know, we're never going to leave our New York allegiance, but, but you know, my kids, and, and my youngest is a baller. He plays, you know, varsity basketball. He goes to the same high school for one year that Bronny James, when LeBron moved to L.A., he put him in this, this crossroads school where my kid goes to school, and Bronny's a year younger than my son. And they got a chance to play. So LeBron would come, you know, when they were out of, you know, season. He, he would occasionally come to a couple of games. And it was like a, you know, he's a rock star, right? They're like, oh, oh my God, like, you, know, you got to bring all. But but it was just so refreshing. And so my son's name is Jake. He got to play in a couple of scrimmage games against Bronny. He's like, Dad, this kid's sick. He was in the eighth grade. My son was in the ninth grade. Wow. He's like, it's not fair. You know, I'm like, well, look, you got to look at his genes, right? I mean, his father is the prime <laughs> James. I mean, for crying out loud, you don't need to, you know, he's got the greatest coach, the greatest player you know, of all time. But I just think it's interesting because he's such a dad, and I agree, Alex, I think you said, you know, he's such an incredible businessman. And on top of it, he's, he, he, he is a social activist. He understands about what's going on. Look, you know, we'll throw it out there, and I, I a lot of people, but coming out of New York, when you think about Black Lives Matter and you think about what LeBron has stood for social injustices and how he has said, you know what, shame me all you want. You can hate me all you want. I believe in this. I'm putting my best foot forward. This is what I want. You know, just as a, as a part of the NBA to really be that sort of ambassador, it's an amazing story. Um, I wish we had more athletes like that. Not necessarily the talent because I think that's a once-in-a-lifetime, right? There's very few athletes that could probably be, you know, an all-pro in the NFL, an all-star in baseball, yeah, and yeah. a perennial all-star in basketball. But, you know, just to have that kind of character and integrity, I mean, I want my kids to look at somebody like that and say, you know, yeah, of course, we wish he was a Nick, but he's, he's somebody that we all have to look up to. <laughs> I'm still crossing my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe. I think he's going to want to play with Brownie, though, to be honest with you, before he I, retires. He's going to want to play with his son. I do too. I definitely do too. And I honestly, with those points you just made on him right there, I think, uh, it's one of those things that he's not going to get enough appreciation now for, um, all his social activism and, um, just being bigger than his name, him, you know, himself and using his name as a platform for social activism. But, you know, it won't get appreciation now, but 10, 20, 30 years down the road, it's going to be one of those things just for the books that like, and if there is real change in this country, he's going to be one of those people that you look at. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I look. I I totally agree. He he's able to make a movement, you know, and make something happen because not just because he's he's wealthy and he's an incredible athlete. I just think that what he people listen to what he says, and mm-hmm. he has the ability to back it up with action, with rhetoric. And there are right. very few, you know, it's a tough thing to do because he's constantly under the spotlight. Um, but you know, you um, you have to admire that, and it's one of those mental resiliences, you know, when you think about it. I'm a, I'm in awe of what these these athletes have to go through. The, same thing for musicians, right? I mean, it's it's a little bit easier as a musician and coming out of that side of it. I'm a, I was in awe for Jay Z. I mean, you know, we all know his history, where he came from in Brooklyn, and where he was right. going, and what he's created, one artistically, and then also economically as a business, yes. right? I mean, Jay and LeBron are very similar in sort of their skill sets, right? You can kind of yes. look at them and say, hmm, I I, I kind of get it, you know. Um, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. I I, uh, I couldn't agree more. With that said, Joe, I know your time is precious. I'm not, uh, you, you know, we're not, uh, it's it's getting a little late around here uh, now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get you out of here, let you get back to the family, and uh, we wish you the most success, health and wealth to you and your family. As always, I always uh, like to throw those positive reaffirmations out there for anyone, you know, who, who I speak to. And just to let you know, it was a pleasure and an honor to speak with you. I love the fact that you're a, a super Yankees fan, a super Knicks fan. I'm both of those, mm-hmm. and uh, I can just sense the excitement. And listen, I can't, I cannot wait to uh, to get the season on the road. And hopefully, before your your next docu series, you know, you you take a second, you know, and, and come check us out again. We've had a pleasure speaking with you. I would absolutely love that. You guys were, were terrific. You're amazing. I, I love the questions. I love the dialogue back and forth. Like I said, I could do this. You know, you want to get me back in in a couple of weeks. You know, I, I want to get you the trailer for Trash Talk because I'd love to get your commentary on it. And thank you for your support of GOATS. Uh, we love this project. There is going to be more GOATS coming. We'll hopefully, we'll have GOATS Season 2 either out by the end of this year or the first quarter of next year. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, that sounds great. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.